If you're here on live stream, online someplace, we're glad that we could all join together Amen. under the banner of the Word of God because the Word is truth. You know, when you set your life on truth, your roller coaster ride is over. Glory to God. But you've got to set your life on the truth. Amen. When you give up wavering, when you give up vacillating, when you give up moving from one side to the other and you stick with the truth, your life will become solid, strong, established, and fixed. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. I want to remind you it's last Sunday of the month, so tonight is 6 o'clock. Believers meeting. Glory to God. We call it Believers Meeting because we suppose that all the believing believers will show up. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's turn over to Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. Uh, I think we looked at this last week, but we're going to go through a couple of things on quick review. I want to talk to you today about knowing God's principles. Hallelujah. See, the good thing about knowing principles is this. It works in every area of life. If you get a hold of the principles, it doesn't matter if we're teaching on healing. You can hear it about finances. It doesn't matter if we're teaching on finances. You can hear it about walking in peace and being free of anxiety. It doesn't matter what being taught. Principles work in every area of life. So take a hold of the principles and start applying it into your areas of life. Amen. Amen. So Mark 12, 41, he says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and he began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. So Jesus is watching what, how they were putting in. The what being an action of the how. Okay, now it says that he was watching how they were putting money in the treasury and many rich people were putting money in large sums or you could say it this way, Many people were throwing in large sums of money. Okay? So the how is very important. Even though the rich were throwing in large sums of money, it was done grudgingly. It was being done in disrespect and dishonor. It was actually a Cain offering. It doesn't matter how much the amount is, it's the condition of the heart that counts. Isn't that right? The woman, as we know, as we've read this whole account, the woman, she gave out of her living. The how that the woman gave in was an honor. She gave an honor to God. She gave in gratitude to God. Amen. It was an able offering. Hallelujah. So some does not determine whether it's a Cain or an able offering. It is the condition of the heart in our giving. Isn't that right? Amen. Now, when the rich, they were throwing in large sums of money and they all looked good. They looked honorable. They looked generous. Isn't that right? But then the woman that gave, she sowed honor. So although they were giving large sums of money, listen very carefully. Although they were giving large sums of money, they were actually sowing dishonor. They were sowing disrespect. Isn't that right? Okay, so what were they going to reap back? Not based on the money they gave, it's how they gave. 
So although they gave large sums of money, they will reap back dishonor and disrespect because they did not honor and did not respect. Because it's out of your heart that comes the forces of life. Only if your mouth is connected to your heart do the right forces come out. The woman, when she gave, she gave two copper coins, so she looked pitiful. Isn't that right? It looked like she's dishonoring off two copper coins. That's so dishonoring. But she sowed honor. She sowed out of her spirit. It is the how that is sowed, not the what. The how is what creates gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw upon your foundation. The how, not the what, the how. When the what lines up with the how and you're walking in the things of God, then you're walking in truth. Amen. So she was actually giving honestly because the how and the what lined up. Amen. And, you know, this is nothing new because this is how the kingdom of God operates. This should not be a newsflash. This is how the kingdom of God operates. It's always about the how. It's always about what's on the inside that creates the outside. Isn't that right? So it's always about heart issue. Walk in the truth. Sow the truth. You worship in truth. Your marriage is in truth. You pray in truth honestly. It's an honest, honest prayer, honest marriage, honest sowing, honest worship. When your heart is connected to what you're doing. Amen. You know, Jesus said of those, he said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, they're singing all the right songs. The, litur- the liturgical response is correct, but their heart was someplace else. He did not approve of that. Because you are not what you say. You are a spirit being. And it's what's in your heart that makes you who you are. Not your emotions. In your spirit. Are you with me? So go over to 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. You all know this verse also. It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So God's desire is that we all prosper. Now, you don't mix up the word prosperity with millionaire. God does not desire for you to be a millionaire. You can be, right? That can all work out in your life, but that's not the plan of God for every single person. The plan of God for every single person is to prosper. Now, you could set your level of prosperity in whatever you want it to be, but God desires for you to prosper. Amen? And he wants it in all respects, not just money. If, if, if all we think of with, in prosperity is money, we're very short-sighted. I don't know if you know it, but money can kill you. You know, you don't have the rest of your life straightened out. Money can destroy you. Believe me. (laughs) God desires that we all prosper. Now, some people would ask, why do you teach so much on financial prosperity? Or how long are you going to teach on financial prosperity? You know, that's not all that there is in the Bible. Well, do you know the Bible talks more about prosperity than it talks about salvation? Okay, so if you want to know how long we're going to teach on this stuff, the answer is very simple. How long is inflation going to keep rising? How long? How long is inflation going to keep rising? Because the last two years, you've been eating dirt. 
How long is inflation going to keep right? How long are you going to keep saying, I just don't have the money? I, don't have, I can't believe this stuff costs so much. I don't have the extra money I used to have. How long until you get a hold of God's principles and stop living by the world system? How long is recession going to last? They keep saying, oh, recession's coming. Oh, honey, it came a long time ago. I don't know if you know this. Please. What about the looming depression? Depression is looming. It's at your doorstep. I don't know if you know this. You listen to those liars out there, you'll never know it. But I'm telling you right now, depression is at the door. Amen. And unfortunately, unfortunately, whether we're believers or unbelievers, but I'm talking to believers, unfortunately, many times we wait for hard times to come and then we want to run to the Word of God and try to find an answer. Or maybe we've learned some of these things in the past and we think, I already know it, but look at the condition you're in. So you've let things slip. You've, you, you've wandered and drifted away from the principles of the Word of God. Maybe hard times have fell on you and you need to get refreshed again in the things of the Word of, of God. Or maybe you never learned it and it's time to start because things can be different. Things do not have to be the way they always were. They don't have to be the way the papa was and the way grandpa was and grandpa's dog. You don't have to be that way. When you got born again, you got delivered out of the past, praise God. Your bloodline was cut. I don't care about hereditary nonsense. That bloodline is cut. Yes. Amen. You're a new creature in Christ. The life of Christ is in you, not the life of daddy. It's now time to know who your real daddy is. He's called Abba Father. Amen. Everybody says, I have a hereditary heredity because I was born in this family. You got born again in the family of God. This is your heredity. Now, if you want to live in that, you go right ahead. But you don't have to. You don't have to. And the word of God is a word of freedom and a word of deliverance that you don't have to be the way it's always been. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many of you have ever heard that expression? You know, you need to be poor in order to be humble. No. You know what poverty makes you? Poor. It makes you poor. It don't make you humble. I've known a lot of proud, poor people. In fact, my family was one of them. We were brought up very poor. And they were very proud. <laughs> So, humble has nothing to do with your financial situation. You know, it's like somebody, I heard somebody say this, you know, he, and he had a lot of money. He was rich. And he said, oh, you know, people would tell him, you know, you can't be giving money to your daughter all the time. You're going to spoil her. He says, money don't spoil anybody. He says, lack of discipline spoils. Yeah. <clears throat> it doesn't matter if you have money or don't have money. If you have no discipline, you're a spoiled little Right. <clears throat> yeah, discipline is the key. Discipline is what keeps you from being spoiled. Hallelujah. Humble means has nothing to do with financial condition, but it has to do with the condition of your heart and humility towards God. And what is the bottom line definition of the word humble in the Bible? 
to be teachable. When you stop being teachable, you've stopped being humble. I mean, when you could face the word of God and go, I don't believe that, you are not humble. You have just set yourself above God. No wonder things aren't working out. It's good to get in agreement with him. Amen. And not that he's going to make it hard on you. It's that you've refused his principles, so you're going to go live in something else that don't work. So to be humble is a condition of heart that remains teachable before God. Amen. So let's look at two verses of Scripture here. Luke 6, 38, and then Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24. Luke 6, 38, and Proverbs eleven twenty four. And we'll start in Luke. Luke 6, 38. And he says, give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Okay? Now, just stay there for a minute. For by your standard of measure, what's the measure of your giving? Heart condition. Heart condition is your measure of giving. Okay? So by your standard of measure of giving out of your heart, then that's what comes back to you. Although they threw large sums of money into the treasury, what came back to them was the measure of their heart. Okay? All right. Proverbs eleven twenty four, And he says here, There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, and it results only in want. All right, so there's one who scatters and increases all the more. And Luke said, give, and it will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So from these two verses of Scripture, just these two, we can see that God is not trying to get anything from you, but he's trying to get something to you. Isn't that right? Amen. He's trying to get, well, if he wants me to have it, why don't he just give it to me? Spoiled. See, that's that kind of thinking. Spoiled. That's like, you know, you, you have children in your house and you give your children chores to do. And they're like, why do I have to do these chores? Just give me the money. I'll just give me my allowance. Spoiled. Why do I have to go to work? Just give me a government subsidy. Spoiled. We can go on down the list. Are you with me? God don't want spoiled little brats. He wants children that will stand up, take their place, take charge, walk in authority, and walk over the head of the enemy. Amen. You won't do that if you're spoiled. Hallelujah. So he's not trying to get something from us like he needs anything you've got. He's trying to get something to us. And it's all based on the principles of sowing and reaping. Many of us believe in this and operate in this. Well, how many would say that they want to reap more? And why do you want to reap more? Of course, you can sow more. See, those are people that just answered that that has a right heart. You want to reap more because you want to sow more. You want to be able to give more. You're blessed to be a blessing. So the more you're blessed, the more you can be a blessing. Amen? Amen. This is a truthful attitude of heart. 
okay? That I want to increase because I want to sow. Do I get any more out of it? Of course you do. Yeah. You, you will. But, you know, let's face it. You know, and then when I first got saved, you know, I choked on a gnat that talked about tithing and found out that it was a tenth of my income. I choked on that. I couldn't live and make it on 100% of my income. And now you want me to give away 10 and live on 90%. That, that choke, that, I, I choked on that. That was, that was a hard one to swallow, okay? Um, just as hard as it was that I found out I needed to walk in self-control. That was hard. Or that I could not have revenge anymore. Or that I had to walk in love. These things were hard for me. Just the fact that I was supposed to be kind and good to people. That was, that was rough. You know. So there was quite a few things I choked on when I first got saved. But you live on the residue. I got to the point to where I was like, I would like to give away 90% and live on 10%. If I could live on 10% and be good, fine. I'd be glad to give away 90%. Well, when does that happen? Well, just as soon as I have enough. Well, when is enough? See, when does that happen? You've got to start it and start working into that direction if that's what you believe. See, there's a lot of people that want to say they believe a lot of stuff, but they don't move in that direction. You know, if you believe something, then you're going to operate, make decisions or choices and everything based on what you believe, not based on what you're going through, not based on what circumstances are telling you. Isn't that right? So it's not about, hey, hey, this sewing really works. Look at all the money I have today. No, Jesus is looking at the how. When that little baby is in the bassinet like this and needing some milk, does mama say, are you asking me with the right heart condition? <laughs> no. No. See, and that's the way we are when we're children in the kingdom. We can go, God, God, and he'll meet that need, but we want to stay there. Because we think, well, that's all I did and God met my need. Well, it's because you're an infant. You're an infant in the kingdom. But then God requires that we grow up, develop a heart condition, become mature in the things of God. Isn't that right? Amen. And a lot of people get disappointed because after a while, the ah, ah, don't work anymore. It's not working anymore. I'm like, well, I don't know why this isn't working. Because God's expecting you to grow up. If you don't grow up, you will be spoiled. <laughs> Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. <clears throat> this is God speaking to Abram. He said, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. Now, we are children of Abraham, right? Abraham is known as the father of faith. It was the Abrahamic covenant that was set, right? And it was for him, but it's also for us because we're part of that covenant and we're part of that heritage as a believer. Not a natural heritage, but a spiritual heritage, right? 
So we're blessed to be or in order that or for the reason of being a blessing. If you want to be blessed just so you can hoard, God will give you a little chance to change. But when you, if you don't, the blessing will stop. Amen. He wants you blessed so you can be a blessing. Amen. You know, getting into the things of God and learning to walk with God is about growing in believing the unbelievable. Growing in believing the unbelievable. In the natural, it may look unbelievable. In the natural, it looks like there's no hope and no way. But growing in God is about believing the unbelievable. Amen. Growing in God is learning how to receive the impossible. In the natural, it looks impossible, but I can receive from God and override the natural laws. Amen. Amen. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I or anybody else has this all down. <laughs> if you ever think you got it all down, just go turn the light switch off and go, let there be light. And when the light don't come on, you'll know you still have to work at it. Try running across your swimming pool and see what happens. If you don't make it to the other side, you still got work to do. But we can grow in believing the unbelievable. We can grow in receiving the impossible. Amen? You know, as I said before, I was born in poverty. Uh, I lived in Brooklyn, and I lived on Broadway. Not the lights of Broadway that they have in Manhattan, but I lived on Broadway, a road in Brooklyn. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. And across the road, across the way, was all the tenement halls. And they lived better than we did. We were so poor, we were poe. You can't even afford to finish spelling the word. And I remember that a lot of my life as a child, my father was always looking for a job. Always. He was always out looking for a job, trying to get work. And later in life, he landed a job in the bookbinders union. Uh, and it could be that he had problems finding work because he turned down an opportunity to work with the mafia. He decided he didn't want to go in that direction. All right. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So finding work was a, a little rough, but he finally got to where he landed a union job. And then he retired at 65 and he was living off of a small pension and his social security. So I was brought up with poverty mentality. I had poverty thinking. Unlike my wife, who was born in a third world country, third world country, father always had work, always had a business. They, she, he taught them how to do business, how to deal in business, and how to do all kinds of stuff. My father taught me how to get up from the couch and go get him another beer. That's what my father taught me. So I, living in America, the land of opportunity, has poverty thinking, has to get married to somebody in the third world country that don't have poverty thinking and go, what's wrong with you, boy? Are you with me? But thank God, back in 1998, God broke off of me that poverty bondage in my life. And that bondage gets broken spiritually, soulishly, uh, physically and financially. Look in um, Psalm 66, 12. 
Psalm 66, 12. I'm going to look at New American Standard, then we'll look at King James. He says, you made men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, yet you brought us into a place of abundance. King James says, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water, but thou brought us out into a wealthy place. Hallelujah. See, it's a wealthy or abundant place in life. Now, we know from John, it covers all aspects of life. So again, if we hear wealthy, we're not talking about just money. And if you are thinking about just money, you are very limited in your thinking. Amen. God cares about your whole life. Jesus died for your whole life. Jesus paid the price for you spiritually, soulishly, and physically. Your whole life, he paid for it all. Isn't that right? And he wants us to live in what? Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. He wants you to have an abundance of life. Amen. 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 Glory to God. But notice what it says. You made men right over our heads. We went through the fire and we went through the water. There's a lot of people that don't want to go through the garbage. They just want to get to their place where it's just easy street. Well, it's on the other side of the garbage. You think the devil's going to let you just walk over to easy street? You don't think he's going to oppose you and resist you? And the longer you've been in that situation, the more resistance and obstacles and, 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 uh, that you have to deal with. Because you have more stuff in your soul on that situation, and there's more stuff to break through. You know, that was great, and I forget, I don't know if it was Terry when he was here or somebody talked about always wanting the spectacular rather than the supernatural. And that's what believers are. I want to just believe it in my heart, say it out of my mouth, and everything's going to be okay. What world do you live in? That's spectacular, but it's not supernatural. You're living in Hollywood. The year Pastor Nid and I got saved, we started tithing that year. We heard what the Word of God said about tithing, and it was the truth of the Word of God. But yet, we were living in lack. We didn't fully understand the Word of God about tithing, about giving, and about sowing. We didn't understand purpose when it came to giving. Purpose is very important in your giving. The Word of God shows us different ways of giving and promises of results for each of them. So therefore, all giving is not the same. Are you with me? All giving is not the same. At a young age, and at a young, at a young age, very young, I was controlled by money because I didn't have any. And I did what I needed to do to get money. I mean, I'm talking about 12, 13, 14 years. I'm doing what I need to do to get money. So then at 19, I became a journeyman in the union. 19, that was 1968, maybe, something like that. I became a journeyman in the union, and I was taking home between $450 and $650 a week. Now, in today's economy, that's four dollars to $6,000 a week. That's what I was making back then. But money still controlled me. 
because I couldn't live without it now. It directed everything I did, every decision I made, everything that I wanted to do was all based on money. Anything that came up, first thing I thought about was money. Oh, I think I'll buy a car. Money. Same year, I think I'll buy another car. Money. I had the money, why not? I'd come home from work and back in those days, you know, they had the vinyl albums and I'd come home with a stack of albums like this. Why? Because I had the money. I had money to do whatever I wanted to do. And I did a lot. And I wasted it all. I had to sell my car. Uncle Sam came knocking on the door. I had to sell my car for $500 just to have something as I was going into the military. That's all I had left. I was making four to $6,000 a week, and all I had was $500 because I sold my car. Living large. Spoiled. Are you with me? So I go in the military, and I start off at $30 a month and all the food I could eat. And they gave me clothes, and they gave me a place to live. So after four years of the military, I worked up to making $1,200 a month. Got out of the military. Now I come to Port Charlotte. Now I've got a one. I'm not 19 anymore, and I'm not making four to $6,000 a week anymore when I was single. But now I get out of the military, I'm married, I have a child, I come to Port Charlotte, and my starting pay is $460 a month. A month. So I did as I needed to get money. How much did you need? Didn't matter, it was never enough. Why? Because I had vices, I had bad habits. I had lots of stuff that I would spend money on and never save it. And everything that I had, everything I did, all my vices, my habits and everything, ate everything that we had. My aunt, she gave me money to buy an empty lot in Port Charlotte, which I used for a down payment on a house because I had no money to put down. I put the lot down that she gave me. Then she gave me a car when I came back to the States. She paid for me for training to go to school to be an auto mechanic. And at 30 years old, when I got saved, I was broke to the bone. I was in debt. I had a mortgage. My wife and I both worked. We did extra work on the side. I fixed cars on the side, outside of work, and she would do house parties and things like that because she was a cook. And she would do that on the side, and we would do stuff to make extra money, okay? There was other stuff that I had done to make a lot of extra money before I got saved, but now that I'm saved, I can't do that anymore. Use your imagination. <laughs> so, we're doing what we can to try to get extra money. And we didn't really know what to do. So, we got a brainstorm. Let's go down to the bank and get a second mortgage. You need money. Let's increase our debt. So now, besides having been in all this debt, now we got two mortgages that we can't pay. 
I hope this is speaking to you. Proverbs 22, 7. It says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Debt is a big controller in life. Big controller in life. And this is why all society and our whole financial economic system is based on debt. Because it's a controller. And that's how you're controlled. It's through debt and you're in bondage to other people because of it. Amen. Debt can restrict your joy. And debt is a major factor in wrecking many marriages. It hinders our ability to give and to sow and to support world evangelism, the preaching of the gospel. It hinders us. You know, as a church, this church, we give regularly to Dennis Burke Ministries, Terry Mize Ministries, Living Word Ministries, Mercy Ministries, Rick Renner Ministries, Disabled Vets. And then every so often we'll give to Charles Capps Ministries, Salvation Army, Food Bank down in Fort Myers, Samaritan's Purse. All right? The church is totally out of debt. Glory to God. When was that? 22? Was it last year? About this time, yeah, we, went out, we got out of debt last year, okay? Church was totally paid off. The church has no mortgage. The church has credit cards that are paid at the end of every month. We carry no balance. We have no loans, and we have no more each internal debt. Everything's paid for, and the church is free and clear. Amen. Amen. Everything's been paid. Well, why? Because it's a product of sowing seed continuously. And why do we sow that seed and want to get out of debt? For the reason of giving. What we receive is only a side issue. That's all it is. It's a side issue. You know, personally, when I had my home, I was believing God for certain money to come in. And I said, when that money comes in, I'm going to pay off the house. I'm going to pay off. Actually, we paid off the house some years ago, but that second mortgage was still looming. But we finally got that paid off and got the car paid off, got everything paid off before I actually even sold my house. Because I had decided, I said, why am I waiting for this investment to come in to pay everything off? I can start believing God right now to start paying things off. And that's what I did. I started believing God, got my faith back where it needed to be. Rather than believing in that thing, I started believing God. And things started coming in as needed, praise God. And everything got paid off personally. Everything got paid off ministerially. Hallelujah. Why? Sowing and reaping. Sowing seed continuously. 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 This is it's like anything in the Word of God. It has to be a lifestyle. And that doesn't mean that it's all about giving in church. You know, you can bless that server at the restaurant. You can give them a 100% tip, whatever it costs, whatever your meal costs, give them the same amount in the tip. Give them a 50% tip. You can just be a blessing to people. Well, I can't afford it. What can you afford? What can you stretch for? What can you receive? It's not about what you can afford. It's what can you receive? Can you receive the impossible? 
Is that impossible to do a 30% tip? Can you receive that? Because those are the things that will stretch you. Because that's going through the water and the fire. We'll get into that more. 2008, the economy tanked. You all remember that. And what we chose as a staff, we chose to take care of the church and make sure everything in the church was taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. And the staff chose to go without a salary. Because we believed that God could take care of us as individuals. And we wanted to make sure the church was taken care of. Amen. Why? Take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. You take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. It's amazing. And we've taught about this for years and years and years and years. And I'm actually tired of teaching of it and probably won't ever teach on it again. About how functioning in the ministry of helps helps your personal life. And yet people will take their personal life and put it over the ministry of helps. And they don't take care of God's business. Are you with me? See, this is about having a right heart. Who comes first in your life? What comes first in your life? Look at Philippians 4, 17 and 19. Philippians 4, 17 and then verse 19. Maybe it's 16. Eighteen? Uh, no. Fifteen. Yeah, thank you. I knew it was in Philippians. <laughs> he says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. Verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So they were sharing in giving and receiving, and therefore God would supply all their needs. That word needs means all of your business, your task, and your undertakings. So everything you're involved in, whatever you set your hand to, he'll supply all the needs for it. Because you're involved in giving and receiving. Isn't that right? And you know what it says in Malachi 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. And prove me now in this, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it's not room enough to receive it. Amen. We are living today in a shaky economy. Amen. Inflation is rising. Recession is looming. And depression is at hand. And we must live and have a lifestyle of God's principles of sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, planting and harvesting. We must. If you're ever going to come out from, if you don't, you will go down the tubes with everything else that's going on. You have to. It's about living above the world system. You know, when, when, when there was a famine in the land, God told Isaac, don't go to Egypt the place of abundance, but stay in the land here. And, and it says that Isaac sowed in the land in the famine. And he reaped and he became rich until he became very wealthy. And all the Philistines, which is a type of the world, envied him. Amen. 
It's amazing how much God talks about riches, and yet even the church can't stand it when people have money. Amazing. But yet the Bible talks about the people of wisdom are those that know their God. So the Word of God teaches about different ways of giving. The number one way we know about is the tithe, and many people struggle with it. I choked on it when I first heard about it, and I had to give myself to the Word of God. Another way is first fruits. Many people don't believe in first fruits. And then another way of giving is almsgiving, which is so misunderstood. And then the last way is seed sowing. And when it comes to sowing seed, most people, and I'm talking about believers, I'm not even talking about the world, but when it comes to seed sowing, most people think it's gambling. Again, ignorant of the truth. You just don't know the truth. Never been taught the truth. You don't know God if you don't know the truth. A lot of people know about God. A lot of people will say, I believe in God. Well, I believe we have a president. I know his name. I know a couple of things about him that I've seen on the news, but I don't know him. In fact, I've been alive since President Eisenhower. I ain't never known any of them. But everybody wants to go, I know the president. You don't know the president. What do you know about him? Oh, I, I, I tell you, I, I know what I see. No, you don't. Well, I know what I hear. No, you don't. No, you don't. You only know what they want you to hear. It's called snippets. I have people tell me stuff like about so-and-so, and I go, you forget I was there. You can't tell me I was there. I'm not. Are your knees shaking? <laughs> but you know, the struggling with the tithe, not believing first fruits, misunderstanding alms, or thinking that seed sowing is gambling, I've heard it all. I've been doing this for 40, I've been saved for 42 years, I've been in the ministry for 41 years, I have heard it all. And yet, the Word of God that never changes still stands at the pinnacle of truth. And those that don't receive it, it's because they don't want the truth. They want what they want. I chose a long time ago, if the Word of God says thus and so, I'm wrong, the Word's right. Amen. See, whose report will you believe? You know, where do you get this thinking that seed sowing that God talks about is gambling. Whose report are you going to believe? Who are you listening to that tells you this nonsense? Who are you listening to that tells you that tithing's passed away? Who are you listening to? You're obviously not reading your Bible. You know, maybe you're listening to somebody in a church that stands up and goes to a scripture and then talks about it the next hour about stuff. And they say, well, we, we read a scripture from the Bible. Whoop-de-doo. The devil can quote the Bible, you know. 
If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. He'll give his angels charge over you, concerning you to bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Go ahead. Kill yourself. If you're the son of God, turn this uh, stone into bread. Bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. The devil knew exactly why Jesus came. He knew exactly what the word of God said, and he used it all to try to tempt him. But then there is the truth of the word. Whose report will you believe? You know, in the book of Numbers, they came back from the promised land. Some had a good report. Two had a good report. Ten had an evil report. Did God want them to take the land? Did they? No. Why not? Because they believed the wrong report. It's not about whether God wants you to get something or not get something. The point is, what will you believe? God wanted them in the promised land, but they couldn't go in because they refused to believe. The next generation went in. Why? Because they chose to believe. The first generation sided in with an evil report. You know, what about reports you get? What situations are you in? And then all of a sudden you get a doctor that tells you something or you get a, a specialist that tells you something or an economist that wants to tell you the way things are going to be. Whose report do you believe? You know, this is why Galatians says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? You were doing so well. You're going along with the word of God. But then some stupid came along and said something to you and you chose to believe it. And everything God's promised you goes down the drain because you chose not to believe God. Jesus paid the price for everybody, shed his blood for all so that all could be saved. But it's for whosoever will choose to believe it. It's in your hands. God's done everything necessary. Your choice. You choose. It's in your hand. What will you do? Amen? Whose report will you believe? I knew a man, and he had cancer. And I've talked to him a number of times, prayed with him a couple of times, and he was doing good. He's out fishing. He's doing well, doing fine. Things are going good. But somebody said to him, Frank, I think you're going to be dead in two weeks. Boom! That was it. He chose to believe that, and in two weeks he was dead when he was doing so well. Whose report will you believe? Oh, and we all say it. We choose to believe the report of the Lord. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. But how many times have you been bewitched that you started in the spirit believing God, but now somebody said something and now you're over in the flesh. And now you're hopeless. And now you're discouraged. And now you're despondent. And now you're beat down because you took the wrong report. All of a sudden, God's report don't mean anything. And at the same time, you'll say, well, I know what God says. You don't know it. 
I've known people that say, I believe God's healed me. I'm just waiting for him to manifest it. That's not faith. That is not faith. It's I believe God healed me, period. This is what the word of God says. And once you get over in that, I'm just waiting, you're out of faith. Fake faith will not make it. You can't fake it if you're going to make it. And it's knowing the difference between what's real faith and what's fake faith. That person that said, I I believe God healed me and I'm waiting for him to matter. They thought that was real faith. It wasn't real faith. Okay. Let's move along. I'm not on a soapbox. If I was on a soapbox, I'd be talking about other stuff. You know that. (laughs) Romans chapter 4. Verse 21. I can do soapboxes. I can build them up good and jump off the top. (laughs) Romans 4, 21. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform it. You don't see the word waiting in there. Fully persuaded. God promised it. God's doing it. God's promised it. God's doing it. Glory to God. God has promised it and God is doing it. Amen. Amen. Well, this is Abraham saying this, isn't it? Father of faith. Like Abraham, we can expect God to do as he said. Thank you, Jesus. But here's the deal. He'll only do what he said, not what you said. He'll only do what he said. He watches over his word to perform it. Spiritually, soulishly, physically, financially, it doesn't matter. What he said, he'll do it if you believe it. Don't add to it. The Bible says if you add to his words or take away from his words, you'll be proven to be a liar. Why? Because it won't work. Things won't work. You've added to it or taken away from it. And you're saying that this is the truth, and it's not. And you're expecting this to happen, but you've added your words to it. We can mentally know what the Word of God says and then misapply the Word and not reap the results of it. I believe God healed me, but I'm waiting. Well, you've just added. You just added. The right response would be, I believe God's healed me and I'm fully persuaded he's working on this and bringing it to pass. Amen? When it comes to giving, purpose is the key. You don't give into need. This is why I hate those commercials about the, the kids and they're all, you know, suffering and dying and, or, or the ones about the, the, the people over in Israel. And, and I'm not saying that it isn't real and it isn't true, Okay. But that's working on your emotions and to get you so, oh, look at that. They need, you've just messed up. You don't give into need. God doesn't even give into need. 
If God gave into need, there would be no needs in the world. But he doesn't give into need. He gives into purpose. And the purpose of God is that without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's giving into purpose. Purpose is the key in giving. You got a purpose to hear purpose. What is the purpose of what you're giving into? Have you ever noticed that whenever we have guest speakers in, we have ICFM meetings, we have have big to-do when we have stuff going on like that? We never talk about the need. Oh, bless God. You got to give into the budget. We have a budget. You need to give into it. We never mention it because that's not the purpose. You give into purpose. You don't give into need. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Purpose is always the key. We're not the Holy Spirit, and it's not our place to meet everybody's needs. Look at the person next to you and say, you can't meet everybody's needs. Amen. You're not the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, it is not our place to reject the leadership of the Holy Spirit where he wants us to act. You have to give in to purpose. Our giving is to support purposes that witness in our heart. You know, sometimes there are people that come up and they have some stuff and all, but what's in the heart? Sorry, I don't have it in my heart. So I'm not doing anything about that. Because I purpose to hear in my heart. I'm not the Holy Ghost. And I'm not here to meet everybody's needs. How about you? No. No. Now, just because you don't have a witness in your heart, it doesn't mean that it's a bad purpose. It's just not witnessing in your heart. It's not for you to be involved in it. There's others that will be involved in it, but it may not be for you to be involved in it. You've got to be honest about what's in your spirit, not your emotions or what you think, but what's in your spirit. Are you with me? God will work with what he witnesses in our heart to do. There's that scripture in Corinthians says that let each man give as he purposes in his heart. And to me, the main purpose is hear from God. Be directed by the Holy Spirit, what it is he wants you to do. Whether it looks possible or whether it looks impossible, whether it looks believable or whether it looks unbelievable, it doesn't matter. When I'm hearing from God, it's in the realm of the spirit. And that overrides the things of the natural. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, again, you know what it says over in Malachi about tithing, right? And many believers want to say the Old Testament's irrelevant, that we no longer live under the covenant in the Old Testament, and usually they're just trying to get out of tithing because they don't say the same thing about healing. They don't say the same thing about blessing. They don't say the same thing about deliverance or anything else God did in the Old Testament. See, they'll take all that stuff, but oh, no, the tithe, no, tithe, no, that, that's Old Testament. They're, they're just cheap. You're just trying to get out. You're just trying to get out of your position in God. Don't shout me down. How many of us have been there? Come on, be honest. You're in church. Don't make us pray for you all to be honest. <laughs> Go over to Genesis 14. Genesis chapter 14. I'm going to read verse 17 through 20. It's about Abram. 
It says, then after his return from the defeat of Chadol, Chad, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave Melchizedek a tenth of all. Okay. So here in Genesis 14, we see the tenth going to the priest of God, Melchizedek. Isn't that right? And this is many, many years before the law was ever even instituted. Okay. So many people want to be blessed like Father Abraham. They just don't want to do what Abraham did. So this is not even under the law. Okay, and we notice that Melchizedek first blessed Abram and then Abram gave him a tithe of all. Well, God's blessed you. He sent Jesus to die for you, shed his blood for you, went to hell and paid for your sin so you could be free from it. And all you have to do is choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior to be free from all of your sin. And heaven becomes your home and eternity is changed. Bless God. God has made it so simple. But only the humble of heart will hear it. And um, so since he has already done that and he's blessed us, then we come to him and honor him with our tithe. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he said to him, God, the father said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Verses 8 through 10. And he says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So again, we see Jesus is a high priest, but not according to Aaron. Aaron was a high priest under the law. But Jesus is not a high priest according to Aaron, according to the tribe of Levi. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Melchizedek, he's a priest according to the order of Melchizedek that was instituted long before the law ever came into existence. Melchizedek was a high priest and he met Abram and this was Abram operating under his Abrahamic covenant with God. So we have two witnesses saying the same thing. Now, some people say, well, you know, uh, you know, and, and this is people, they'll tell you, oh, this thing about Melchizedek here is just a minor reference. A minor reference. Yeah, because what they'll do is they'll say, we did a word search and we had not found the word tithe in the New Testament. It's because you don't know where to look. Because you don't know spiritual things. This is a spiritual operation and function that Melchizedek came, received tithes from Abram, Oh, Abram, the father of faith, we're children of Abraham. Okay, so we're in that family. We're under that covenant. Long before the law came into institute, Jesus came, shed his blood, law was done away with, and we went back to the original intent, which is the uh, uh, Abrahamic covenant. 
And now under the Abrahamic covenant, Jesus is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So now you've got two witnesses right here about Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews. Now go to chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters through the veil. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, there's a third witness. And it's amazing how people say minor reference as though anything in the word of God is minor. According to the order, well, that was prophesied through the, uh, David in the Psalms in Psalm 110 about Jesus being a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned the tenth part of all the spoils was first of all by the translation of his name king of righteousness and then also king of Salem which is king of peace without father without mother without genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life but made like the son of God he remains a priest perpetually so again here's another reference to Melchizedek as high priest verses four through eight Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest office have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, although these are descended from, these are descended from Abraham. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises." But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In this case, mortal men receive tithes, but in that case, one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. So in that case, according to the law, mortal men receive the tithe. But now it goes to Jesus who lives forever as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Isn't that right? Amen. So, the writer of Hebrews is taking the things of the Old Testament and bringing them into the New Testament, which makes it relevant in the days we live in, because this is where we live in the New Testament, this side of resurrection. And when something makes it into the New Testament, it makes it relevant today. You notice that it says nothing about sacrifices in the New Testament until after the church is raptured in the book of Revelation. And then it goes back to the Jews' timeline. In between, from the resurrection of Jesus all the way to the rapture of the church, there's nothing mentioned in there about sacrifices. As far as lambs being sacrificed and the goats being sacrificed and the laws of atonement and, and all the festivals and all those other. No, not mentioned. Didn't make it in the New Testament. Because Jesus fulfilled it all. Verses 9 through 22. This is a long one. 
9 through 22. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the people received the law, then what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. For the one concerning who these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was a descendant from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priest. And this is clearer still if another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. Okay, so he, he didn't it wasn't he didn't become priest because pre it was in his lineage. That was in the law. Yeah. The law, you became priest through lineage. But Jesus has risen up now outside of that lineage as the new high priest who has become such not on the basis of the law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. For it is attested of him, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. How many times does it have to be said? For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and its uselessness. And for the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as it was not without an oath. For they indeed became priests without an oath, but he with an oath through the one who said it to him. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Glory to God. So the high priest we serve is not through a physical lineage, but it's spiritual. Amen. The Lord has done away with, and now we've gone back to the original plan just like when Abraham met Melchizedek. So now Jesus, according to the order of Melchizedek, that was instituted long before the law. Because we know the Old Testament is types and shadows of the New Testament. So therefore, the argument that the tithe is on the law is ignorance. Just don't know the truth. It's laid out rather simple. It's made it into the New Testament, not with the word tithe, but with the spiritual understanding of high priest. See, people that want to argue about the tithe's not in the New Testament, you're dishonoring your high priest. Are you with me? Because, well, we don't tithe, we, we'll, we'll just give. Well, he didn't call you to give to the high priest. He calls you to tithe to the high priest. And rather than sowing your tithe, you're throwing a seed, throwing in an offering. Because the tithe goes to your high priest. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
Tithing is a New Testament concept and part of the life of a new creature in Christ who is our high priest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, in Genesis 1, God blessed his creation. In Genesis 2, God blessed his formation of Adam. In chapter 12, God blesses Abram. In chapter 14, Melchizedek blesses Abram. In Malachi chapter 3, God says, return to the blessing with your tithes and offerings. And in Hebrews chapter 5 through 9, we understand the blessing as we tithe to our perpetual high priest in heaven. Do you remember the things that God said to Abram, uh, Adam when he created Adam? It says, and God made Adam and he, and he blessed him and said. You remember what he said? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Because when he created Adam, he said, be fruitful or produce. I've put you here to produce. Multiply. Be increasing. Be increasing in what you have. Fill and refill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over it. Have dominion over it. In other words, Adam, control your environment or it will control you. And he says the same thing to us today. You will either control your environment or that environment will control you. You will either control your environment or to be controlled. You will be controlled, whether it be by Washington or whether it be by other stuff, whether it be by anything else in the world. It will control you. Or you will control it. You have the dominion. When Adam sinned, he lost the blessing and he lived in a wilderness under a closed heaven. But obedience releases the blessing. Isaiah says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. James 1 says, if you look intently at the law of liberty and not forgetting what manner of man you are, you will be blessed in your life of obedience. Tithing is a God concept. Don't run from it. Run to it. Get it in your heart. Get it in your life. The work of God is to do what? To believe. Giving honor. Giving and honoring in your giving is what reveals our heart condition. Okay? So, again, Melchizedek brought the elements of covenant. Abram connected to that covenant with the tithe. Jesus gave the substance of his life, his perfect blood, and we give our substance as a gratitude. Again, God is not demanding anything from us. He doesn't need anything from us. He's trying to get something to us. Just like salvation, obedience to his word is required to release the promise. And that's the way it is in everything in the kingdom. Obedience to the word. Not just yakety yak, 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 yak. Obedience to the word is required to release the promise. Are you with me? So very simply, God receives the tithe and we receive the blessing. How much? 30, 60, or 100 fold. Depends on your level of faith. And, you know, every single one of us, you know, as we grow in God, we always say things like, man, I tell you what, I'm at the highest level of faith that I've ever been. And to us, it's like hundredfold faith because we've never been there. But it might only be 30, might only be 10. Yeah. It's just that we've never been there before. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. 
So no matter where you're at, you can always go on. Our highest, again, at this point might be 30, but we think it's 100 because I've never been. Oh, this has got to be it. I mean, I'm, I, this has got to be it. I think I have reached the pinnacle because we've never been there before. And maybe in our life, it is a pinnacle, but that doesn't mean we're at the hundredfold. We might be just at tenfold. So what are you saying? Don't quit. Don't quit. You keep on going, keep on developing, keep on growing. As long as you have breath, you have a chance. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be limited by your thinking. Press in for everything that there is. Get ready to believe the unbelievable and receive the impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, Father, oh, we honor you, Lord God. We thank you so much for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for what you've deposited into our heart. Father, there's a lot here to mull over. There's a lot here to meditate on. There's a lot here to think about. Get it into our heart. I get it in my heart, it'll get in my mouth. I get it in my heart and I get it in my mouth, it'll get into my decisions. I get it in my heart and get it in my mouth, get it in my decisions, it'll get into my life. Oh, I thank you, Father. 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 We bless you, Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, make these things alive inside of us. Help us, help us in this area to grow and to develop and to increase in this area. That we would honor you, Lord God, with a generous heart. A heart, Father, that's open to you. A heart that would want to walk in your purposes and do your will. Father, I thank you for it. Thank you, Father, that generosity does not mean great amounts, but it means a great heart, a big heart, Father. And I thank you for it. Thank you, Father. We bless you and honor you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, Father, as we come before you with our giving this morning, I thank you for the opportunity to bring in our tithe, to sow our seed, that we come before you with honor, respect and great gratitude for all that you are and all that you've done you've blessed us in our life and thank you father that not just in giving in 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 an offering in the services but we can go in our life and be a blessing to others father i thank you for that in jesus name amen 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 glory to god hallelujah hallelujah if you know if you need an envelope you know where they're at uh, help yourself fill out a few if you want to. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you joined us online, thanks for being with us today. We're so glad that you could join us. God is so good. His word is so good. And there is nothing like taking hold of his word, getting into our heart, that walking in his principles will touch every area of our life. That's why the word of God says that when an enemy comes against you one way, if I will get a hold of the principle of the word of God, that not only will that enemy that comes before me be defeated, but my life can straighten up in seven areas at one time because the principles work in everything. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net. Click on the giving link. Thank in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything at all that we can pray with you about, please let us know. It's always an honor to pray with our partners. Amen.